0: Thank you for listening to spin the rally pod brought to you by Dirtfish rally school for your chance to experience life behind the wheel of a rally car head to drive.dirtfish.com to find the course
1: that's right for you what are you waiting for we're right here waiting for you good morning good evening good afternoon wherever you are in the world it is time for your tuesday fix of spin the rally pod i'm david evans in the unusual driving seat for once Bring back Lisa, I say. Lisa will be back with us soon enough. Uh, but sharing co-driving duties with me today is our editor Luke Barry. And, hello, uh, making uh, yeah. Hello, sorry. It's all right. I thought I'd jump in and introduce myself. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. We can ignore me. Go on, David. No one wants to hear me anyway. That's no, no, fine. no. I was, <laughs> I was, I was actually going to read out the full team sheet. Uh, and making his debut on spin is a. Uh, we call you James Bowen? You're a staff writer, you're a writer, just writer. Will do, yeah. Maybe. Man, man, of yeah, writer. Talent. So, welcome, James, for the first time. Thank you, David. Uh, hello, listeners. It is hugely exciting. And what a podcast to make your debut on, on the back of, I would say, some of, if not the biggest news in the 50 year old history of the World Rally Championship, Luke. How big is the news that Cali Rovenpera, our defending world champion, won't defend his championship next year? Huge, huge. Although I'm going to say immediately, actually, just, just to cover ourselves
0: in case it comes to this time next year. he could still win a championship on a part-time season. <laughs> you never know. You never know what can happen. But I, yeah, I'm being facetious as usual. I completely take the point. And it's it's massive. It's a a huge thing the only thing I can compare it to at least in sort of my life stream, that I can remember being a news cycle it's not even a rallying example it's it's Nico Rosberg in F1 when he won the championship and he decided that was it that was him done it's not the same for Kelly he's not completely done with rallying but he's taking a step back it's a significant change to what we assumed would be the dimensions of next year's title fight and and as you say we've had 24 hours to digest it but it's it's still mental that it's true
1: Right. It it is completely nuts it's it's bon- bonkers i just a brief aside i was actually in that um, press conference in vienna when rosberg announced his uh, his decision to attack it was quite remarkable because i was obviously there just to report on sebastian ogier it was the presser just before the FIA's gala dinner um, and rosberg was wheeled in and i typically was doing something Writing something for a website or whatever, and not really paying attention to what he was he was saying because it's Formula One and it's not that interesting. Uh, and then he <laughs> said that, "Yeah, I'm going to retire." And the immediate reaction from one female journalist at the back of the room she burst into tears, squealed, and burst into tears. Really? Wow! Yeah, it was remarkable. I'm sure there have been squeals and tears around the world um, at Dirtfish's news. On Monday, that uh, that Cali Rovenpera will will be stepping back. James, what are, what are your thoughts?
2: I I was stunned, David. I, I, I feel like this is this is totally unprecedented. Yes, we've had world champions you know, step step aside before and, and do partial campaigns, but I don't think we can quite compare it to this. Just because Cali's so young and he's so 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 early into his career, and I, I can't think of an example that's that's comparable to that. He's, he's only had four full time seasons in the WRC. And already he's he's stepping aside. So, yeah, stunning news. And uh, yeah, like you say, what what a podcast to make my debut on. Uh, no, no pressure.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely not. It, I mean, it is, it's a big deal. You know, I I wrote a piece on the website on Monday that, yeah, it's just it's he's done four full seasons. But actually, can we really count twenty twenty, which of course was a COVID year, which wasn't really a full year? You know, we're splitting hairs here, but. It, it's very fair to say that he is not enormously experienced and he hasn't, you know, you compare him to somebody like Thierry Neville, who's now I think done 13 full championships or, you know, Tanak's been around a similar amount of time. Danny Sordo, has been there for the last 20 years since 2003. Okay. He's not doing a full program. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a big thing. Luke, we've obviously seen, we've, we've poured over, over Callie's reasoning. Now there is, there is a big demand, isn't there, with this championship? Physically, mentally, you are engaged in that process of winning a championship from literally January the 2nd or whenever, whenever you, you do your pre-event monty test all the way through to what was Sunday, last Sunday just passed, you know, the end of Japan, the end of the final round. It's a big ask, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think it's very easy to downplay, or maybe not even fully appreciate just how much effort these guys put into this because for i guess for the flippantly unaware if you just tune in every rally weekend it looks like they're driving friday saturday half a sunday and that's kind of it they go home do whatever they want to do come back for the rally week etc but even the rally week itself is a full week of travel you're there it's recce it's preparation every single night after driving it's video work in between events It's video work it's testing it's all sorts of things it's media demands it is an all-consuming thing now obviously they get paid for the troubles, and it's it's a pretty dream thing to do, to be driving a rally car for for 13 rounds a year, but there is a lot of pressure that comes with that, and sometimes it can just feel like you need something else. I guess it's for very different reasons, but we're seeing the same thing with, with Essa Pekka, Lappy, who would much rather, essentially, and it's, it's noble as anything, and I've got so much time for him for this, but he just wants to effectively be a better father for his children, and not be away from home as much as the schedule demands. For Cali, I think it's a... An opportunity to explore other passions do other things just have a bit of a mental reset because I think it's clear that this last season this year has taken a fair bit out of him it was a very different championship to win in last year we obviously saw at the start of the year that he was struggling with various things as well potentially he never really said too much and good on him for it it's none of our business but I think it's clear that this is a it's the right time for him to just take a bit of a step back and I don't want to say reprioritize everything in his life, but just think about things, have a bit of a different experience because we all talk about him as this twenty-three-year-old, and of course he is twenty-three, but he's essentially been rally driving for what fifteen, sixteen years. Like a huge percentage of his life has been given to this craft, and it's you, you can imagine at some point in life you get to this stage where actually you want to try
1: something different for a bit. I think. I think That's, maybe that's absolutely right luke and you know the 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 point there is that it's easy to overlook just how long uh he has been in a car yeah we all watched that video from from an eight-year-old driving on a lake i suspect he was probably driving before that and it was intense you talked to talk to harry about the really really young days for, for Calais, and every time he was back from school he was straight in the car all the time, he just wanted to be in the car. You know, I remember when Callie was sort of 14, 15, 16, I would, I would ring Harry um, and Harry would pass him the phone and we'd have a bit of a chat and And school kind of went out the window a little bit. You know, th- there was very much one focus um, for Callie, and that was just driving cars, rally cars all the time. And then, as Yari Matty said in, 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 in his words, from the age of 17... He was semi-professional, if not professional. He was immediately... Okay, not immediately. He was 18, I think, when he went into that contract with Skoda. Um, But he'd been signed with with Toyota from the age of 16. He tested a a 2017 Yaris World Rally car at the age of 16. You know, the intensity was was there uh, for a very long time. James, it's easy to kind of sit back here and say... You're 23, mate. You know you're you've got plenty of time time on your side. But you know, what is it really that difficult to go around the world and and to drive a rally car? You look back to when Harry, his father, was was around 20 years ago. There was much more time testing. There was probably longer recce There was more travel. There was more events. What do you yeah. think? Do you do you have sympathy? I mean, is is the the plight of the modern WRC driver? easier or more difficult than it was 20 years ago
2: I, th- I think we've heard it from from multiple drivers haven't we David that the sport the intensity that's required to, to, to be at the pinnacle of the sport now is is extremely high and it's it's a mental drain you know what they have to do processing that those videos every night before before the stages trying to gain any little advantage they can you know it, it, it's marginal gains and you know that the, the, the more the sport develops and the more room there is, you know, for these little tiny improvements, the more depths these drivers have to go to, to, to obtain those improvements. And that clearly is just a massive, massive drain on these drivers. And 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 it isn't just about the driving, because, you know, we we, we talk about Callie, and that, that he's been in the car since eight years old. He's also been in the media spotlight for a very long time. And particularly in the last four years as a WRC driver, you know, he's been thrust into that spotlight driving for what the world's biggest manufacturer you know the pride of finland that's a lot of pressure to take at a young age and and no wonder he wants a little step away from that you know out the spotlight a little bit um and a, and a bit of a refresh but it, it is perhaps a little bit a little bit hard for 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 us to uh to grasp our heads around because ultimately if we had the chance to drive a world rally car you know we'd be we'd be right there straight away but um <laughs> You know we we can't yeah. quite appreciate what Kelly and Perva is going through I think
1: I think that's a really fair point. I think there is that the level of, of pressure and exactly what you say there. You know it's not like he's he's just driving for for a private team, he's driving for the world's biggest car maker um and the pressure that they would have seen in in Japan okay we, we weren't there in in Japan, but talking to Colin, to holly and and to to Elliot to team dirtfish on the ground, clearly the intensity around that event for Toyota was massive. It was disappointment last year. And this year they needed a result. They wanted a result. And to have Akio Toyota around with them all the time, it was a big, big deal. Uh, and you're right. It does. It brings a, a significant amount of stress um, to bear. The one thing, one of the things that we, that we know about Kelly's agreement moving forward is that he will be back full-time in 2025. What do we think, what do we think, Luke? Is, is going to be up to then in uh, in twenty twenty four? It uh, perhaps a good point, a good time to say that we expect Sebastian Augier will start in that um, in that third car in Monte Carlo. So we, we will start the season. I would say I'm ninety nine percent sure we'll start the season without Calais uh, at round one. What do you reckon? he will be doing then in uh, in mid January when we're all getting ready for Monte
0: probably hanging around with his friends doing something quite fun whether it's simply watching the rally or driving something somewhere drifting something somewhere i think it is just a chance for him to have a bit of an escape and you've written that in your piece mm. on the website david haven't you that drifting effectively now is Cali Roven perra's escape it's where he and it's not to say he doesn't have fun in a rally car but it's where he can go his career is not dependent on how he performs in drifting it's somewhere where he can do really well and he can really enjoy it and he can enjoy the, the sort of thrust and thriving competition. But he doesn't have to, if it doesn't go so well, he's a rally driver. He's not a drifter, if that makes sense. So it's yeah. not where all the demands and all the expectation, all the narratives and the media come around him. Um, but I have to say that this whole thing about it being one year off, is, it really intrigues me, actually. Um, it really intrigues me. I think mm. it's a very brave and actually very sort of, he's thinking very far ahead with this in terms of how he's he's planned it. Because, I don't know, I kind of sort of assumed that it would be if he's stepping part-time, that's kind of it, part-time for a few years. But he's committed mm. to a full year in, in 25 already. So I guess in, in that sense, we have to assume that it's not a case of Callie falling out of love with Rowing. Because if that was the case, you'd be a bit daft to commit yourself to a, a year the year after, assuming that you find it back again. So it is just about him trying to have a bit of a break and just experience different things in his life. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see the difference in him when he does turn up. We're going to assume that Sweden will be his first event because there's never been one that Oj has been particularly keen to do unless he's, he's had to. And obviously, cowley has got good form there. So you would assume that he'd be there in February. And I'm really curious to see if he looks different, if he looks refreshed, if he looks more relaxed. And he's been really relaxed this year in general, to be fair. I think winning the, the World Championship in 22 was big for his confidence. And it's almost... And you hear a lot of drivers say it, but I think it's particularly true for Cali that he didn't really have anything to prove after that. Yes, this year he, he won the championship in a, a different way and it was a much closer fight and he'll be greatly satisfied with the fact he's done that. But they're all bonuses for him now. He, he's not the kind of driver, and he, he said it before many times, he's not gunning to be statistically the world's best rally driver. That's not what motivates him. So he doesn't have to be doing year on year on year to try and get to Loeb's number of, of nine championships. It, for him, it's just about... Enjoying what he's doing, and I guess the idea here is he can take a step back, enjoy the rallies he's doing more, experience something a bit different without the intensity of a championship fight. And I guess the worrying thing for the rest is you'd have to assume that that will work for Kelly. <laughs> He'll come back in twenty-five, incredibly motivated again.
2: Yeah and, yeah, and it's it's not often we're sitting here, you know, already looking forward to a, a rally championship season that's two years away. But that twenty twenty five storyline is already something that's that's pretty intriguing. What will Cali coming back do for the for the for the world championship? Whoever wins it next year, you know, can they fight off a rejuvenated Cali Rovenpera? That's that's a really interesting storyline.
1: it's it is a really good point you you both made there. And I, I hadn't thought about it in that sort of strategic fashion. But Cali is. He's a great thinking driver. He's a very very intelligent young fella, Uh, him and, and Yanni Halton and his co-driver, they work very closely together. And that could be exactly right. Luke, you know, he, he could have decided, yeah, I'm a little bit jaded. We, as you quite rightly said, we know there were some issues, some personal issues at the end of last year. He's overcome those. He's, he's had a tough year this year um, with, with a few issues in the car and what have you. So it's actually a, a really good idea just to take time, press pause, rebuild everything recharge the batteries probably work on his mullet uh get that sorted try and grow <laughs> a, a better mullet than than technical director tom fowler i think he's just about beating tom at the minute um so he's got a lot going on and as much as we talk about drifting you know that we shouldn't forget that toyota starlet that he's got built that he tried i think it was talvi rally or something in uh really early this year wasn't it late february early march time uh, and the thing broke down, didn't it? <laughs> on the, on the first stage, that's the kind of thing that he loves doing. He loves spending time with his mates. You know, you talk to Calais about what's your ideal Sunday afternoon, and it's it's car cruising through a vascular, going for an ice cream somewhere. It's it's these kind of simple pleasures that he missed out on when he was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. He can revisit them now. He's still got the same group of mates that he went to school with, that he's grown up with. He's no different with them. They're no different with him. So essentially, he can just catch up on that whole stretch of his life um, that he sacrificed to to become a world champion. Uh, And and James, your point, crikey, 2025 is going to be an absolute ripper because whoever wins the championship next year, be it Elvin be it Tannock, be it Thierry uh, you can't really see it coming from anybody outside of those three they're going to be full of confidence um, yeah. they're going to look look at, um, at 2025 and say right bring it Calais let's see what you got now I'm a world champion you know I can wear number one on the doors if I want to uh, it, it's going to be great and that's perhaps the, the next point James who who will be secretly thinking wow this is my time. This is the opportunity. And how much will that opportunity be kind of devalued, if you like, devalued is quite a strong word, um, by the fact that there's no reigning world champion there on a full-time programme?
2: Yeah, well, I think they'll all all be thinking, wow, this is an amazing opportunity to win a world championship. I think particularly for, for Elvin and Tierra, who haven't won one yet, uh, you know, we, we heard... We heard Thierry Neville after, after CER say um, that with, with everything that's great going on at Hyundai at the moment, next year, you know, it's, it's kind of now or never, you know, with 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 Cyril there as the team boss, with with FX there on the technical side. Well, I'd say now this is uh, this is now or never times a thousand for, for Thierry Neville. You know, surely this is absolutely the year for him. But in terms of whether it devalues it... Uh, I think from, from sitting here previewing next year, it, it, it could be easy to say that, you know, maybe it's a little bit devalued because because the guy who's won it the last two years isn't there. So uh, those those drivers that we mentioned, Tanak, Newville, Elvin, they, they're robbed of the chance to dethrone Kelly uh, Rovenpera, which I'm sure is something they'd all love on their CVs. But I think the reality will be that once we get into next season. And as those drivers battle, and hopefully it's a great three-way fight for the title all the way down to the wire, once they're in the heat of that battle, they, they won't be thinking, oh God, I wish I wish Cali was here and it would be, you know, an, an, even, an even better fight, an even better achievement. You know, it, the, the merits of that championship will be as strong as, as any other because he'll be, you know, beating the best, the best drivers there on, on the day. And, and when we look back, on 2024 in 10 years time you know we won't think of it as the year cali dropped off we'll just think of it as the year whoever won it you know did win it um so i think Mm. i think in the long term it won't be devalued although now it can can maybe feel a little bit like that
0: can i just quickly jump in here it's interesting because i'm going to disagree with you james i'm going to be controversial disagree with you as much as we don't in the time we've worked together i haven't really disagreed with you much but i'm going to do it live on air um, because, and it, it's hypothetical this in fairness because well for two reasons one we don't know beyond 25 how many seasons Robin perra may or may not do and secondly we can it's unfair to assume that he's going to win them all but if cali does come back for 25 stop winning another few championships i think 24 will be looked at as the year that he's dropped off because people look at it think oh well cali wasn't there so that's why x y or z managed to win so it's a really interesting one um but I don't know, I'm obviously not a rally driver, so I don't know, I can give my own psychology on it. If it was me, I don't think I'd worry about that. If I'm Evans, Tanak, Ornieville, you've got a chance to win a championship. You go for it. It doesn't matter who you're against. They're still going to have a big fight, the three of them. We know that's true. Um, so I think it'll be super interesting. But I actually think, and you mentioned it with, with Thierry, and I know it's something he said about his 2024 being the, the now or every year. I think, to be honest, of all the drivers where that applies to, it has to be Elvin doesn't it the last few yeah. years he's constantly been close to winning championships we know he's good enough to do it but he's had a teammate in the way he's had OJ he's had Rovin Perra. next year yes they'll both be there and actually ironically particularly with potentially better starting positions, they could be the ones that are actually winning the rallies a lot of the time but Evans is going to be the only not only actually that's unfair Taka is there but we're making an assumption that Taka's maybe not quite ready to fight for a championship just yet so, Evan should realistically be Toyota's only driver in the Drivers' Championship race. So, that gives him a, an opportunity he's never had before. It shouldn't make a difference within the team because I I cannot see a scenario where OJ's leading Monty, Evan's a second, and they go, sorry, Seb, you're going to have to uh, <laughs> check up a bit here to let Elvin through. It's not going to happen. Um, but I think with all this considered and the potential for Hyundai fireworks, I think this has to be the year where Elvin he's going to have to fancy himself, isn't he? And the form he's in as well. I love the stats. I'm going to reshare it. Last, also not last year, we're not in 24 yet. This season is actually his statistically best ever year in WRC, both in terms of rally wins, which is three, and leveled Rovin Peradogia and points as well. So he's effectively in the form of his life right now and given a chance that you probably didn't expect he'd get. So yeah, I'd say it's going to be a very big year for Elvin next year, but it applies to all of them, doesn't it?
1: Hmm. No, it it does. I, for me, it brings a significant weight of expectation on it. On Elvin. We've seen this Toyota Gazoo Racing is a huge team. They're multiple world champions. They're used to winning um, and they used to being able to rely on people like Sebastian Ogier, eight-time world champion, and Kelly are now a two-time world champion. There will be a lot of pressure on Elvin on next year and if you were looking at Alvin kind of Mark 1 um, when he'd just come out of M-Sport four years ago, I th- I'm not sure how he would have coped with that. But now I think he's absolutely ready for it. He's, he's progressed, he's matured, he's developed as a driver and a person, uh, and he's strong. And I, I, I genuinely think that he can, he can work with it. I think he can deliver the, the championship next year. <clears throat> um, and he will have... The full weight of, of Toyota behind him um, not that that actually means much or if anything because you know one thing that Toyota is very clear on is that every manufacturer driver gets the same they get the same setup they get the same you know there's not new parts coming in and they go to you and not you everybody is treated with absolute parity um, but Elvin will feel like a, a team leader going into twenty four and I think he'll respond to that. I think he's he's grown into those shoes uh and and he knows that he's gonna have to carry it to to Tanaka and to to Neville. But like you you alluded to there, Luke, there's a great potential for for fireworks within the Hyundai team. There's not now the same level uh of potential, not that there really ever has been in, within Toyota because there simply aren't team orders. They don't exist. The drivers drive their own rallies um, and craft their own results, and yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because there's f- for sure we've seen Ogier winning events this year. We'll see we'll see Kalirov and and Ogier winning events next year, and potentially taking points away from the championship race. Uh, but it's going to be it's going to be absolutely fascinating. There's n- yes, we will miss Cali and Pere, Yoni Halton and. And on a personal level, of course, we are. They, you know, they're both great guys. They're always very giving with their time. Big Dirtfish fans, uh, and that goes both ways. So we'll miss them on 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 the rallies where they're not around next season. Um, but it's a good opportunity to segue into off the back of, of, of talking about Elvin Evans being on form and, and, and on fire, ready for next year. He certainly delivered James in um, in Japan, didn't he?
2: Oh boy, did he! I mean, what an unbelievably brilliant performance that was from Elvin Evans. You know, it, we often we often hear Elvin Evans at the at the end of stages. You sort of say, you know, well, I took a I took a, a, an approach that was that was just about balancing risk. You know, I took as much risk as I thought reasonable. If someone else has gone faster than them, fair play to them. And and sometimes you know that's that's cost him in the past. But boy, did that approach pay dividends in Japan. You know, his ability to Read those conditions on Friday to take to, to take just precisely the right amount of risk and build that that really big gap. I mean, absolutely brilliant approach, and and what a reward, you know, to come from from CER where he 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 had his had his incident, missed out on the opportunity to to fight for the world championship at the season finale. I mean, he's he's put all that behind him now. And like Luke said, three wins on the year, a, a really brilliant year for Elvin Evans, but this is probably. I mean, Finland was a pretty good performance. uh, Let's be fair, but Mm. this this was, you know, Elvin on a level above where anyone else was, which you know is exactly where where he'll want to be going into next year, especially given this this news about Cali.
1: Yeah, that it's fair to say anybody who emerged from Friday's madness, Luke did did tremendously well. Drove brilliantly. Uh, to get through those conditions. They were just about as crazy as we've seen in WRC, weren't they?
0: Yeah, I think we all thought we'd seen the the worst of Japan's weather last year (laughs) to finish the event. Then the event one-upped itself at the very start of this year. It was quite something. Um, And as you say, even Evans wasn't completely immune. It was a small overshoot, but it was still an overshoot. You don't see drivers making these kind of mistakes on tarmac rallies unless the conditions are bad Um so i you say there was it was incredibly difficult we see Ogier going off and tapping some arm called barrier very uncharacteristic for him obviously that earns him a well it doesn't earn him a one minute penalty but it's he has to well the team have to change the role cage which in fairness was a mega job to get that done mm. in just over I think it was six minutes over the required time but that kept Ogier in second place like only in the rally so that was incredible but yeah everybody had a story to tell on that day so something was happening to everybody I think maybe the only driver that was kind of Drama free was was lappy because he'd made a deliberate choice to just to slow down and just not take any risks, and um, but yeah, it was quite something out there. James and I were were helping cover D- Dirtfish Live Centre and <laughs> watching all crazy hours, but it kept us awake all of that 100%. It was just something <laughs> happening all the time. It was it was quite a special day, but a weird one in the sense because the rally was almost done by Friday with Toyotas in one two three. All they could do then was was lose the event, and I guess it all became about just fight back, which I guess we'll get to. But yeah, it was uh, an entertaining rally nonetheless. All rallying, one source. By now, you know that Dirtfish.com is the place to go for all of your rallying news. But when it's time to try your hand behind the wheel, just join us here at Dirtfish Rally School, nestled in the Cascade Mountains in Snoqualmie, Washington. Whether you're a pro seeking extra seat time or a novice looking to get started, we've got programs tailored to all rallying needs. And when you want to watch the best in the world, just head over to our YouTube channel. Our coverage of the WRC and American rallying is second to none. Follow us at Dirtfish Rally across all social media platforms and shop the latest looks in our merchandise store now. As always, rally on.
1: The level of commitment to drive those cars in those conditions where the car's aquaplaning everywhere, and, and even at such slow speeds, you know, we saw Sordo and Formo go off uh at the at the I think the exit of a, a hairpin or something, you know, really slow speed. It was it was incredible and obviously by the end of Friday we saw Andreas Mickelson running in an incredible fourth position. One of the the issues which seemed to plague the Rally one cars was just demisting problem of just trying to get some visibility um in the cars. Obviously, those Rally 1 cars are space frame chassis. They're sort of bespoke cars, whereas the, the Rally 2 cars, the Skoda Fabias and the Fiestas, the Ford Fiestas, they're much more of a production-based car. But still, James, it was it was pretty special what Mickelson did on Friday, wasn't it?
2: It was brilliant. And, and you know, just to, to see him up there on the timesheets, you know, something you had to 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 take a second look at, but particularly when, for, for myself and Luke, it was about 3 a.m. Um, you thought you might be, might be seeing things, but no, he was right there, and uh, you know that's where, that's where, like you say, those rally two cars, um, they 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 can challenge, um, you know, because they're they're more suited or 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 better off in those kind of conditions, and you know, Andreas, he, he didn't know he was going to do Japan till till the very last minute. Uh, it ended up being a bit of a a bit of a gift, a bit of a a go and have fun type event after he sealed the WRC t- two title. Uh, on CER and, uh, you know, he's got a trophy to show for it. So I think a mm. uh, pretty, pretty, pretty amazing event for him.
1: Uh, it, it it absolutely was. And Luke, you touched on, on Taka there. We should really uh, give absolute credit to, to what Takemoto Katsuta did. Friday morning, absolute villain. Uh, he he went off, he dropped the car under, under braking for the same corner that Sordo and, and Formo went off on. Um, and clattered a tree and and rearranged the the suspension and and steering at the front of the car but what he did from Friday afternoon onwards was extraordinary I I followed Taka's career in its entirety in in a rally car and I have never seen pace like he demonstrated there
0: no it was it was incredible and a bit it's a strange weekend for him isn't it because I think in a mm. lot of ways, it was the ultimate paradox. You, you've touched on it there, but there was this absolute heartbreak of of what happened on that second stage. And it's worth remembering that I can't remember what the gap was, but he was miles clear on the splits, like massively yeah. ahead of whatever. Twenty was seconds, doing. twenty yeah, seconds, and it, you know, ridiculous. It, it it maybe raises the question of was he pushing too hard? It's impossible to know. I've not sat back and had time to watch the onboard or anything to really see if it looked like it was going too quick, but the benefit of the doubt you can give him is that corner, as you say, it was the same one that caught out Sodo and Fomo, and they were all together in the running order, and, and Adrian Certain was very clear that by the time he got there, like maybe 10 15 minutes after he'd gone off, the road had just completely changed. So it was the conditions were evolving a lot, just in a space of a short time, but yeah, it was it was disappointing for Catshift's event to start like that, but as you said, the response was was mighty. And it, it wasn't just that he was winning the stages, it's that he was doing it so consistently. It was the sort of thing you, you grow to see from the likes of Robin Perra, OJ, Evans, Duvill, Ta- all these guys have that in them, to just, when they want to, they turn it up and nobody can touch them. And that was and that was Taka on his home event. And it's probably not unfair to say that none of us really expected it. I think we all would have seen him having a good result. And ironically, mm-hmm. he's actually had a, a worse result, as it were, than, than last year. The performance was miles better. This was exactly what he was looking for in terms of speed. And I think he basically doubled his stage win count for the entire year just in one rally. Um, it was crazy. Re- really, really good drive. And I think massively encouraging for, for the future. I guess the key now is to try and find whatever he found in Japan on, on more events around the year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be fair to say that going into Friday afternoon, he hadn't expected to be the second Katsuta uh, on the classification, his father Norahiko, was, of course, <laughs> uh, ahead of him uh, and did a fine job. Norahiko. he was in the, the Toyota Yaris, the Rally Two Concept uh, car, but it all kind of fell apart a little bit for him in the Toyota City Stadium when he he backed it into a into a wall, into a barrier, and lost. A, I think it was a rear wheel. Um, but yeah, it was a, an epic, epic effort from from Katsuta. He will take massive confidence from that. He got a podium at home last year, third. That was a great result for him. It, it sort of saved some face for Toyota, um, and but his his speed this time around was sensational and and great as well for Japan. You listen to the to the words of of Toyota Gazoo Racing chairman Akio Toyota, arguably the still the most influential, the biggest man in in all of the the car industry around the world, and he is so appreciative of what Taka did and what the Japanese organisers have done um, in, in rebuilding Japan as a WRC venue, as a, as a staging post on the calendar. It was a great event. There were some issues. There was, there was that one course car, uh, zero car, which was, which was caught by Thierry Neville, I think, first stage Saturday morning. Not ideal, um, but not by any stretch, but the, there's reasons for it. The FAA and the Japan organisers are investigating it, and I'm sure... Uh, it, it won't happen again. Um, there, w- there were some issues. Having said that, last year, but th- they're getting there. Um, absolutely getting there. It was a, a great event, and the number of fans at the side of the road, both on the liaison sections and in the stages this year, and for sure in the stadium, it was it was great. I think James, we we saw plenty of colour from Japan this year, didn't we?
2: But we certainly did, and uh, you know, we we talk a lot about. You know, we, we want every rally on the calendar to be unique, to provide something different, uh, both in terms of a of, a, of an on-the-stage challenge and, and an off-the-stage display of, you know, a culture, a landscape. And that, that's what's brilliant about rallying, because we travel through these areas. We don't just go to one, you know, one permanent venue all weekend. We we, we go through a country, and, and I think Japan delivers on, on both those fronts. Uh, it, it, it's a great event. It shows off. Japan as a country, uh, and it's like nothing else we, we we see in the WRC. And then th- those those roads again, you know, re- really pretty pretty unique. Yeah. Um, you know immediately from an onboard, you know exactly what what rally you're watching. Um, so yeah, it, it's a it's a fantastic part of the WRC, like like, like you say, David. Still a few uh, issues to improve on, but um, yeah, I think we can see it being a, a mainstay uh, for for a while to come.
1: Absolutely. And, Luke, we should talk briefly or not so briefly, whatever you reckon, about Thierry Neville. How, if Thierry hadn't dropped it on that second stage, I mean, sensational time from him through the opener on on Saturday morning where he took, I think, 15 seconds or something out of rally leader, Alvin Evans, really strong. He insists they weren't going too hard. It was that kind of odd compression, wasn't it, that just destabilised the car. They hit the sump guard. Um, and then couldn't get the car turned in for the next corner. Had he got through that corner, what do you reckon? It's hard to know, isn't it? Because from as soon
0: as Neville was out of the picture, Toyota's game plan completely changed, and we probably didn't really see the full hand, well, we didn't see the full hand from evans O. J. Or Robin Perra, because there was no need for them to risk anything. All they had to do was literally just get the car to the finish. So whether Evans would have had that in him to to fight Newville, it's it's hard to know. But you would have to say that Thierry was certainly coming at him and when it was it was getting drier, as it were. And as you say, that stage time before he went off was, was mega. I looked at that and I was like, whoa, okay. He's gonna be leading by the end of the day at this rate. And I think that's it felt almost inevitable. I don't think anybody saw the accident coming. But I found it really interesting and actually almost refreshing for team principal Cyril Abitable to say what he did about Thierry, essentially insisting, uh, insisting is wrong word, suggesting that he maybe was rushing things too much to take the lead. I don't know if I agree with him. I can see his point. But that for me, it's just interesting to see that Cyril was, was willing to do that. Because there is this perception with Thierry that he's eye's golden boy, he's number one, he's the man. But, this was the t- t- he's not been as critical about this as say Lappi or Sunan when they've made mistakes, but here he was actually openly criticising Thierry. So I thought that was very interesting. Probably very good music to your ears if you're a certain Estonian driver who's he's on the way over. Yeah. Um but yeah, I thought that was really quite a good touch from Cyril, actually. Um just sort of reminding him of of the need to get the car to the end, to in a sense. Was he trying too hard too early, given the conditions? It's hard to know, but it was a sad way in a sense for the the spectacle anyway, because I think as soon as Thierry wasn't in the picture, the the sort of rallies outcome became far more predictable, shall we say, because Toyota didn't really have a threat in that, from that point onwards.
1: No, quite right. You're absolutely right there. I think you're also right on the point with the beatable that he is, he's definitely marked his territory, hasn't he? He is the team principal um, and he is very willing to be outspoken about the drivers, Yes, you know what the one for us earlier this year has been has been Sordo, where where particularly Colin Clark has, has felt that Sordo's deserved more praise. Cyril perhaps hasn't given him uh, the same level of, of praise as we thought he would. And it, it is next year, there is no doubt it's going to take an awful lot of managing um, to have Tanak and, and Neville in the same team. And I think these are the, these are the points now that a beat of all is just looking at these and saying, right, boys, I'm the boss. You know, you're gonna to listen to what I'm gonna say and I think he's he's doing a good job. He's he's showing strength uh in his position of leadership. Um and it's yeah, it's he's gonna need it next year, that's for sure. Um, because there will be no prisoners taken between Tannock and, and Neville. Um there's there's no doubt about that. an interesting point um one that that we discussed on on friday a little bit internally was when we saw those terrible conditions uh colin clark made an an interesting interview with cyril abita obviously abita is is a man with a huge amount of kind of formula one experience the odd voice in the service park calling for obviously we saw stage fours canceled because of the torrential rain but there was there were calls for perhaps the event to be postponed or sort of stopped if you like the wrc equivalent of a red flag and a reset um what do we think i mean do were conditions that bad it's very difficult for for us to judge we weren't on the ground in japan but do we think we need greater empowerment of 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 the the safety side of the sport to actually say enough stop now Um, or are we good where we're at luke i think
0: friday morning in japan was probably borderline and it's, it's worth saying that I think the organiser did the sensible thing in cancelling that stage four. Thierry rolled up to the end of three and he's very made the point in black and white that he's never been as scared as he was in a rally car. He felt it was dangerous and whether or not the organiser has, has reacted directly because of those comments or just generally seeing the situation, I think they made the right call in not running a stage because nobody wants to see a situation where drivers just can't get through or can't get through safely. That's just not productive for anybody there were a few that were suggesting that the tires weren't quite good enough in those weather conditions again i've i can't comment on that i i've no idea i'm not there i don't drive the cars but yeah i think it's for me in japan it all worked out as it should have done put it that way. Again, that's the best way for me to answer this question in that I think stage two and three challenging. Great. We won't see that in a rally. Rally drivers are there to be challenged. They want to be challenged. It's, it's what makes our sport special is this adaptability of the road, the drivers, how they overcome this challenge. But when it gets to a point where when we saw it on Ingalls, the third stage, Robin Perra was at complaining and spinning on a straight. I think <laughs> at that stage, sensible things have to be done. And it's, it's a safety risk at the end of the day. And you can't be risking drivers safety. If, just for the sake of running a rally stage, which they didn't in Japan. So um, obviously by the afternoon then, it all sort of cleared up and it wasn't a problem. So I wouldn't suggest the things. there needs to be a different regulation or anything in place. I think it ultimately is just a judgment call for the event in scenarios like this, which I think they got right at the weekend.
1: I've got to say I'm a little bit not so sure we talk about this a lot, don't we? You know, the, the, would a tire is good enough with a tie, you know, what all of the conditions and and what have you. Ultimately the drivers out there are the ultimate arbiters of their own speed. So if you're fearing aquaplaning on a straight, then lift off. If you're fearing that the, the, the wets aren't clearing enough water from, from the, from the road, from the tiling, lift off. It's, it's a tricky one. I, for me, Latvilla referenced the, I can't remember, was it 2008, the Rally GB, when we had all of the snow uh, come down in Hafren and Meheron and they, the, they didn't have snow tires, they didn't have any suitable tires. Even at that point, you could still say you can get through the stage. You just can't, you know, this is the point with drivers is you can get through, but what you want to do is get through as quickly as possible. Now, that's a totally different question. You can safely make it through that stage. I could drive through that stage, you know, apart from the steep hills, <laughs> you couldn't get up the icy slopes. And that was where the issue came in, in GB, was that you it, they were going to struggle to get the FIVs in if there was an incident or an accident. But I think we do need to be careful here in that the drivers will be up in arms in these conditions, justifiably so. But... Is it a performance thing or is it a genuine safety thing? Yes, it was dangerous. Motorsport is dangerous. Absolutely it is. But if you're really fearful, then slow down. Um, I don't know. I'm probably teeing myself up for a whole load of anger. (laughs) It's an an interesting (laughs) point, though. Sorry, James. I'm just very
0: quickly. Um, And I thought about it that way. I guess the problem is it probably ultimately depends on what you would consider as entertainment. Is it entertaining to see drivers driving at a speed that's twenty five percent of what they can do? Is that any use for WRC? Or you could look at it the other way and say, actually it's mega, because then you see well which drivers are willing to take the risk. But I don't know. I, I'd still earn more on the side of caution. When you if you've got drivers that are genuinely scared for their own safety, not willing to push, I think at that point it's probably it is better off just to not bother. Um but I, I don't know. I, I do totally get your point though, David. And it's interesting. I didn't know the the GB stories intimately I remember the rally but I hadn't really thought about the fact that they wouldn't have had Mm. the right tyres and everything so it's a difficult one it's not like circuit racing where things are more easy to predict or control or everything like that with with there you can delay sessions by half an hour you can't start delaying rally itineraries by hours because you end up losing stuff at the end it just affects loads of things Um, so it's interesting but sorry James I cut across you
2: yeah no you're right Luke it's such a fine line between between safety and and you know uh, having a, a competitive prospect and, and I, I think if, if you're if your strategy is is to listen to the drivers and if the drivers are saying they're scared and, and they think their conditions are too difficult then we should cancel then that that's a very tricky one because you're always going to get that one driver who says no it's okay i can i can do that and who who sees it as an opportunity to, to gain time which of course it is so uh, you know it, can we really listen to the drivers too much on that, or, or do we need to kind of take it out of their hands and it becomes purely a, an issue of, well, if we can't get the, the the safety and the medical vehicles in, then we cancel. But otherwise, it, it's it's up to the drivers to manage that risk. Yeah, that, I don't know. It's, it's a very tricky one, but you know, th- there's always going to be that one driver who who wants to go a little bit further, who thinks that they can, you know, be better than everyone else in in horrendous conditions.
0: I'm Kellen Cochelle and I just did my first Dirt Fish course, which was the one-day women's course. My biggest surprise was how calm it could be in the car, and the calmer I was, the faster I could make the car go. The surprising thing about driving was that it wasn't necessarily a mental thing, I had to really get out of my head and into my body more, and I just felt a little more comfortable doing that for the first time around a group of women. But I will say, I do feel like I could do any of the Dirt Fish courses now, I kind of know what to expect. and. You know, hopefully more women get into motorsports, and then any day could be an all women's day if just enough of us are in the sport. If I were talking to someone who was thinking about taking a class, was kind of on the fence, it would be, you know, what are you waiting for? It's such a fun experience. Um, You're gonna really learn something and you're gonna push your limits and maybe you'll even have some more confidence.
1: I, I think teams and and drivers and crews always looking to to manage the variables aren't they as much as they can and when we get these extreme conditions that's a variable that they they can't manage so therefore they try some of them are, are trying to, to to essentially um to get rid of it And it's for me it's a tricky one you you ex- extrapolate this all the way out and you're right Luke is it entertainment to see a car going in first gear where you're expecting it to be in third or fourth gear probably not but actually I I would go back to the first time I ever watched a Monty from the side of the road Um, and we picked a, a corner that had come out of the beautiful sunlight and turned the corner around the north face and it was dark it was into the shade and they'd come off bone dry tarmac uh, and they come onto sheet ice, like proper thick ice that was never going to melt. Um, and we knew that all of the the drivers were coming on on slicks. Um, and I couldn't wait to see Colin McRae come there because I was like, "Wow, this is going to be incredible. He is just going to fly across this ice. It'll be superhuman." And he came into the ice, absolutely break. It was like a, a Formula One car coming in with the into the into the pit line. Pit lane locked up, slowed it down, got into the ice, and literally turned the ALS down and tiptoed in first gear across the ice, round the corner, whacked the ALS back up and, uh, and was gone. And for me, yeah, as a live watch, that was incredible. It was almost as breathtaking as watching a car in Sweden go absolutely flat out through a long corner. It was insane because I couldn't believe uh, and talked to Colin about this later and he looked at me with that kind of incredulous look that he sometimes saved just for me and he was like, what do you expect? We're on slicks, we have got absolutely zero grip. Um, but they accept it and you deal with it. Um, for me, I think the one aspect that we do need to to look at more in terms of tarmac rallies is is the the safety crews, the, the gravel crews. They shouldn't be just for 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 P one crews. I think Andreas Mickelson made this point in Central European Rally last month that the life of a P two or a P three or whatever crew is worth just as much as a P one driver, and they there should be some facility given for them to be understanding how the road has evolved between certainly between the first and second pass. Um, so yeah, there we are. Answers on a postcard as ever uh if you if you agree disagree um then reach out to us on our on our channels uh at dirtfish rally talk to us tell us what you think uh be nice though we 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 like people to be nice <laughs> you, you you can make your point in a nice way um but yeah and obviously stay tuned to to dirtfish.com all of the news we've got a, a heap more Para related content a whole load of of Japan content and a whole lot more coming uh in in the next week or so so keep an eye out for all of that uh boys anything else to say from you no nothing from me just to say well done to james you got through all that without
0: any david's been far more controversial than you have you not said anything that's going to upset anyone <laughs> <laughs> <It's
1: all good. laughs> it was I'll a strategy time, james then. i was looking after you there you see i was just <laughs> bringing you in under the radar. Let me take the flak this time. So, James, it's been great. It's uh, thank you very much for your contribution, first of many, I'm sure. Um, and how was it? Pretty relaxed. Were you? Uh, you came in pretty confident. Uh, oh it was great. Yeah, no, thank thanks for having me, David. Uh, it's good fun. We should do this again. We should. Like every week, let's do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> there we are. That was Spin the Rally Pod. Uh, we look forward to, uh, to, to talking to you all again next week. For now, thanks for listening.